This is Ibrox. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to This Is Ibrox, normally the preview show, but it's going to be a mini review of the season show, if you can do that after five or six games. But nonetheless, it is international weekend. There's not a great deal to talk about Rangers-wise, apart from the transfer deadline day, which was relatively quiet. But we're going to go through what's gone on so far in the season, pick out our players that have impressed us the most, which ones we think we need to see an improvement from, a little bit of an overview of the transfer window in the summer up until transfer deadline day, discuss the Champions League, what we think we need to do better, what we think we need to do worse, the best and the worst thing, and of course, why we're still obviously better than Celtic. Um, to introduce is, of course, myself, which is Graham Falk, which I'm sure you're getting used to by now, but Craig, Craig, you rejoined us, joined me for the first time, but rejoined the pod for about the second or third time. How are we doing now? You all right? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Looking forward to seeing the master at work. Well, yeah, I, uh, don't, I don't want to set high expectations, but I mean, Scott and Tommy are pretty bad, so naturally I am the best presenter. Um, edit that out, guys, if you want. Um, Shug, I actually broke my duck. Last time I was on a preview show, we got beat, and then we did another preview show, and we got beat, and then my duck was broke by beating Celtic, so I'm quite happy to break that duck, but um, I'm assuming all is happy in Shug's Rangers land. Yeah, I'm... Uh... On top of the world again, uh, beat them, so all's right with the world, so I can enjoy the next couple of weeks. I really like that you said them, I like that. Um, Dave, uh, we did beat them, as Shug so well put it. Um, how are you feeling? Are you good? Ah, good. Good, mate. Nice to be doing this, unfortunately not sponsored, it is just juice. Um, so we'll get straight into it. I think first things first, obviously, is transfers is always the main thing you would look at. And I want to put out before anyone kicks off, you can't judge a player on six or seven games. You just can't. But we're going to try. Because um, otherwise, we'd have to talk about international football, which I would be fine with. But a couple of the Scotchmen might not be. Um, first things first, I think we'll go a couple of players each or maybe one player each. We brought in, should we say, four players that will affect the first team. I'll, I'll come to you first, Craig. Obviously, the players we brought in, first and foremost, the one that probably, well, there's a couple that have played the most, but Fashion Sakala, uh, look at him pre-season, obviously hasn't had a great deal of opportunity so far, but what have you made of these sort of sporadic appearances? Uh, well, yeah, I think first time we saw him was against Real Madrid, wasn't it? And he came on and he fired that one into the back of the net. So that was a, that was a great start for him and he seemed to really embraced the atmosphere at that game as well, which was which was really positive to, to see. Um, I think so far he's been in and out with injury, really. He's not really seen him very much at all outside of outside of that game. Um, I think it's been a groin injury he's mm-hmm. uh, struggled with so far. But his, his first, his, his couple of sporadic appearances that he has had have been encouraging, I think. I think he offers something a little bit different than what we've got in terms of through the middle um, with his pace. Um, we saw obviously in the Real Madrid game that he can finish, um, which is a real positive. I, I guess my query would be how often do we get space in behind uh, against teams that we would be able to take advantage of that? I think we've seen with some players, the likes of Jordan Jones, for example, um, who've come in, they've had pace, and then they've not really been able to show it because they're playing against 10 men inside their own 18 yard box. So I would maybe query a wee bit um, about that one for the league, but I think um, in, the, in the Europa League especially, um, I think a player like Sakao could really come into his own. It was like there's there's a lot of confidence in him as well from, from Gerard's perspective because I suppose the start of uh, last season, by the time the transfer window closed, we had Morelos, Roof, Defoe, Itten, or like the, the four strikers, and that was well-stocked. Obviously, Morelos was the number one. Itten was kind of the, the more big target man to, to maybe give someone something to hit with a bit of skill as well, not bad with his feet. Roof was kind of the jack-of-all-trades group going to the wings as well. And of course, Defoe was just Jermaine Defoe, just the, the man that you know you could bring on and, and occasionally get a goal and still has the quality of a 25-year-old, even though he's about 49. Um, a glorious 49-year-old for what it is, if you are listening, JD. Um, but it does feel like Sakala offers something different and it, it feels like their recruitment model has 
cast a wide net and far that brought someone in that no one would have heard of previously. And he's going to appear like he's going to offer something different, which is always a benefit, isn't it? So, so good. So, uh, so far, so good. Yeah, I think so. And I think getting him on a free transfer as well, it, it just it gives him that wee bit more time in the fans' eyes as well. He's not immediately trying to justify a price tag and he's, he's, he's not got all that pressure on his shoulders. I think if he'd spent four or five million on a player, he comes in, he plays one game and then he's injured for five or six, you become a wee bit, okay, is this how it's going to be? Or or um, is, it, is he going to get a wee run of games at some point? But I think the fact he was a free transfer gives, a, gives him a wee bit of time. Um, he's, he's, I think he was on the bench at the weekend there um, and I think it'll be interesting to see when he gets a run of games how well he does because I think his goal scoring record in Belgium was was impressive but I think obviously until he gets that run of games you can't really you can't really pass comment on him just yet Yeah it's difficult but I think so far so good I think all in agreement it looks alright he hasn't set the world alight we don't expect him to but he looks like he's going to offer something different I think collectively we're quite happy with Fashion Chicago aren't we? Yeah, Wait, waiting, waiting for Dave to be like, no, hate him, disgusting, <laughs> nah, terrible player. Nah. Um, Skellers are right from what I've seen. Yeah, he's got against Real Madrid, so that's a decent start. Um, yep. The next one's probably the, I don't know if it was the biggest move we made in the summer, it was the one that's played the most and the one that's created the most amount of um, debate, shall we say. So, Shug, of course, I'm going to give you that one. Um, John Lundstrom, he's... He's not had the best of starts, and we've discussed him quite a lot on this podcast, so I won't go over old ground, but um, five or six games in, one red card, one goal against Dunfermline. Shug, what, what have you made of Lundstrom so far? I think he's, he's either been a two out of ten or he's been a solid six or seven in his games. It's a couple of games he's just been like, that's the well over signed. That's a waste of money, or a waste of free money. Yeah, he'll be well, on a decent wedge. He'll be on a good wedge for yeah. for this That's league. So you can it's bad when a free transfer is a waste of money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, but I think the last couple of sub appearances he's made, he's, he's shown that he can be tidy. And I guess for him, it's a big. I mean, Sheffield United are a big club, but we're a massive club. So he's stepping up, and he's going from a team that spent the last two years defending for their lives. To one where you're expected to attack and things like that, so it's an adjustment for him as well. I think when we discussed it before, the problem is going to be is that it's not a hell of a lot of opportunities at Rangers if you're not performing every week. Yeah. So it's when he does get in because I mean Kamara and Davis are going to be stick ons for all the big games. I think as well with with Lundstrom, I think mindset's so important in football. Like it's massive and. Um, when you're coming off the back of a season where you haven't won until about, I feel like it was like October against Newcastle or something, or even December, like they did not win for a long while and people knew they sort of went. And we've seen, we've seen teams like that plummet through the divisions before in England because the mindset's just been so like entrenched in, in a losing mentality. It would probably be ignorant of us not to expect maybe Lundstrom to come with a little bit of that and, and have a little bit of added extra pressure because he's at a bigger club with a different expectation coming from a team where he's getting beat every week, Shug, isn't it? Maybe that's played into it a little bit. Yeah, no, I think it definitely has. And you can see he's probably not fully confident yet. New club, new environment, new surroundings and things like that. But hopefully last weekend, getting a taste of the old form and that atmosphere at Ibrox, it's just going to inspire him to do everything he possibly can to make a success of the move. I think as well. I think as well. Um, one thing he said in a press conference, I can't remember what game it was before, but he said he's actually been asked to play a different role than he has been playing before. Yeah. Um, so I think he was actually highlighting to people that this will take me a bit of time because I'm in. I'm trying to fulfil a different purpose within the team. Um, so I guess that's it's a bit perhaps a bit unfair for us to to hold that hold that against him his performances so far. I mean, apart from the apart from the red card against Alice Kirk, that's just. Inexcusable. I think that was just daft from the first yellow card straight Sick to the brain sending freezes, off. But, yeah, I think he's just he's just not not been thinking at all. But outside of that, if he's been asked to play a different position than he's played before, he'll be on the ball a lot more than he's done before. I think at Sheffield United he was a walking red card, a red um, yellow card. Sorry. Um, so I think he I think he got booked the vast majority of the games he played. So I think it's just to that um, siege mentality, that siege mindset where he's just 
fighting for his life as as Shug, as Shug described it in terms of defending. So um, I think he has been played. Got a Scottish parent, Steve Clark, could be interested. <laughs> Play, play my left back probably. Play Rob one. Play Rob on the right. It, it is that mentality. For I think Shug nailed it. You know, it's purely it's such a different game that he's playing yeah. from Sheffield United. It it is almost akin to a Kilmarnock up here, um, mm-hmm. and then it's a very very different game we're asking him to play. So I think yeah. as well. You look at like, I mean, I know Everton are, I, think, I would say Everton are a far bigger club than Sheffield United. Sorry, Sheffield United fans. Um, but he didn't really play that often there. So you can't really say he was there long enough to have an idea of the expectation of Everton fans. He came up through the the, the lower leagues, League One, League Two, Oxford. Um, I think he was at beforehand. And obviously he's came to Sheffield United for, I think it was 600,000. Big amount of money spent on him to go there. But he's, he's still gone into a side that I think when he went there, I think they were in League One or, or they'd just been promoted to the championship. So he's never really had the expectation of the big league, apart from when Sheffield United went up and they had that kind of fairy tale first season and the second season they just got battered. Um, so it's a difficult one, but I, I'm going to leave the other two with you, Dave. I'm going to give you two because it's not a great deal to talk about. Um, off a ball, obviously been really unlucky. I think it's fair to say, um, yeah. but he's a, he's a young boy. He's got he's got time to come back and he's and I don't think anyone was expecting him to fly on the scene and, and sort of turn into Glenn Kamara overnight. So he's got time, hasn't he, to impress yet? I think so. And the club have said openly, you know, they're gonna support him through it. It's not kind of being left to go. And I mean to be fair, if you look at Goldson, he was in that position one yeah. three, four year ago. And you know, he's now one of our most consistent players. You know, he's Played what was it, eighty games or something almost? So, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's he, he's come back from it, and there's no reason to think the lad can't. All we've got, all we can do is give him time. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just, it's just unlucky. It's just one of those things uh, where, but I think would he have played that much anyway? I I don't know. Um, you would like? I don't to know. I think so, but I, I suppose for me, I'd rather they picked it up on a sort of standard ECG than. You know, coming up in the middle of the park like we had in the summer, where it's yeah. for example, you know, nobody wants that. So, you know, we've got it. Hopefully, we can get him past it. It's, it's really a wait and see with him. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and obviously, good luck to him and stuff like that. I think, yeah. first, first and foremost, regardless of what he's like as a sign, and his health obviously comes ah, first. And no, um, we all wish him luck with that. But another midfielder that maybe came in, maybe off the back of the fact that Offerball was. Was not fit was Janino Bakuna, a bit of a weird one. Huddersfield fans seem to think he's either rubbish or great. Um, yeah, don't know what um, I make of it myself. So, so I had a good listen and watch to Shug's interview that he did yeah. with the lads down there. Really good plug and, that, um, by the way, Dave. I should have plugged yeah, that. Shug yeah. chatted obviously to a Huddersfield uh, fan who was who's, who's the number one host. A Shug now apparently it appears I, exactly <laughs> oh. exactly no. Nope. Shug's actually wearing the crown, you just can't see it. Aye. <laughs> um, but no, I think, certainly from that, it seemed to be more about his attitude than his ability. I don't think anyone really doubts his ability. It's just his attitude and applying said ability on the pitch. Um, I have to admit, there was something I saw. It was the old firm, and obviously he never played. Um, but it was just at the end and you saw him celebrating with the team and he actually really looked invested. You know, he genuinely looked like he was delighted. He was part of the team. Um, obviously, you know, we've no games to judge him on yet, but the fact seeing that togetherness when, you know, the biggest worry that's highlighted is his attitude. He could have been sat sulking on the bench. The fact that, you know, he's part of it, he's bought into it. That's a good start. Um, we just need to see him get some game time and actually judge what he does on the pitch now. Definitely think he's a player that's going to add to the squad and obviously famous last words and all that, but I mean, I know Zungu was meant to be this amazing player and I know people didn't really rate him, but there was still an element that he added enough to the squad and I'm not just saying that because I'm wearing the Zungu shirt, by the way. Um, I'm not just I'm not just backing do, do him. Do you not up, mean he added a yellow card to the squad? Well, he added quite a few, yeah. Well, yeah, he added, yeah, I mean, he never lost a league game with us, but who did? Um, Fair. Yeah, fair play. 
In terms of outgoings, I think there's been a few, some of them expected, probably one of them kind of unexpected, and then one of them, in my opinion, really unexpected. Um, I'll come back to you, Dave, with this one, and I'll go back in reverse order just to kind of mix it up a little bit. So I'm going to come at you with, with Katic. Um, it appeared that he was ready to leave a few weeks ago and he was about to go. I was at the Brighton game. I've got to be honest, he put the ball out of play about seven times. He looked as rusty as anything. Like that DW40 is definitely needed. Um, yeah. So I don't disagree with the loan move, but there was the Instagram post a few weeks ago when he was like more memories to make. And hey, we still might and there's the option to recall him in January. But um, Balogun, great against Celtic at right back. Hollander, <laughs> obviously. Hollander's yeah. obviously yeah. great. Yeah. Um, you've got Goldson who's shaky but he's going to play every game if he's fit unless he has a severely further drop in form yeah. there's not really Simpson. a place for Katic Simpson well, yeah there's not really a place for him there's not a place for him to get fit here I, is there? I actually think the best thing that could happen for him is to go out and loan mate um, you know he, you said it yourself he's been out for a year um, you know anyone doesn't do something for a year is going to be rusty and we just can't guarantee him those games and the pressure on players every single game. You know, you can't really take that luxury unless the league's won, but you've already lost the game, so you're not trying to go unbeaten. You know, it's the pressure is there every game, so they're not going to say, oh, I'll just play a weaker player and drop him in here. If he goes out on loan, he's got a year, hopefully he plays you know, if not a full season, a good chunk of the season. And it gives him an opportunity to get that shortness back, to get a bit of practice in again, and then hopefully come back and kick on. I I like Katic. I mean, he's got a mistake in him, you know. He's mm. obviously got a mistake in him, but I do like him as a player. And I would like to see him come back and kick on from it, and I just hope he can. I think I think a fit Nikola Katic is... Yeah. It's a much more of a challenge to Alanda and Goldson than a, an unfit needs game catch. I'd be honest, and you know, I don't particularly like bad mouthing Rangers players, but Simpson gives me the fear when he plays. There's just a mistake there. I think even more so than what Katic was pre-injury. Um, now, you know, you can debate about Balogun, Alander playing, etc. But I mean, Katic is got to be, you know, if he gets a sharpness back, he's got to be higher up the food chain than Simpson. Um, Balogun, you know, two weeks ago, everyone was calling for his head. <laughs> it's amazing the difference a good old firm makes, but, you know, we need to see how he is over a season. Um, then you've got potentially any of them moving on. So I think there could still be a place for him to come back to. I do. Yeah, I don't think that... Um... Katic is going to want to sit about and be the fourth choice defender oh, no. anyway. I think I think he, he's at the stage where he, he was a Croatian under-21 international, came to Rangers, he had a solid enough first season. Did he, um, did he get a cap for Croatia in the end? I, I don't know Should if he, he got a full international one? cap, but I, so I, I know he played where, for under This is where Google works. You carry yeah. on, I shall Google this. There you go. Um, so, but in the, uh, while Graham's Googling that, um, I think... He's not going to want to sit about um, being the fourth choice defender, playing in the League Cup, playing in the early rounds of the Scottish Cup, yeah. and, and that being pretty much it. I think he's, and especially after a year out, so he's going to want to get out, play games. Yeah. I actually thought, um, I think in the early days when it was rumoured that he, he might be going out and going somewhere like ah, going to Hearts or something like that, <laughs> might have been a, a a good a good a good place for him to end up. Um, just with the, just with the being being close enough to us. Um, What's your can... views on that for as well, putting them out in the league? Because, I mean, that kind of gives us, you know, people talk about it and it's almost like, you know, your top competitors around you, he can play against. So, you know, if we're saying he's good enough quality and he can add to those teams, potentially those teams end up taking points off them. And then that gives us an opening. So, I mean, I are, you, I think it's, are you a I fan it... of same league loans or... I think it's nice in theory. I don't think it's worked particularly yeah. well for us as yet. I think the first one that I wow. heard it being discussed was Jamie Murphy. Yeah. Didn't really make the impact at Hibs. Um, yeah. I think Stephen Kelly had the, uh, some good games uh, right. against, he was near the top of the league when he was at Ross County. 
Um, Middleton done think, well in the cups. I think Glenn Middleton, Glenn Middleton did all right yeah. in the cups as well. Um, so it'll be interesting. I'd, I've not seen the full benefit of that. There's not yeah. been someone of. I think Katic would be the most experienced I, or the best, the best player that we've done that so. with. Had he gone to someone like Hearts? But I think that was just a pie in the sky rumor. To be fair, yeah. at the, in the early stages, I don't think that was ever. Hearts fans were all keen, weren't they? Ones I've seen on Twitter. If, if we were, thought. if we were to help out the little teams at centre half, you know, Celtic would maybe be a, an option. <laughs> nah, nah. Um, the next one on the list, probably the more obvious one. I'll, I'll come to you with this one, Shug. Um, we know the history behind it. Maybe I should barrel them both in together. Yeah, I will. Uh, the COVID, the COVID two, um, George Edmondson Ooh. and Jordan Jones. I obviously watched, as people will know, when I present this, I'm, I'm also follow Sunderland, um, obviously Sunderland through and through as well. Uh, so I saw Jordan last season, very much the same player as he was at Rangers. Great for three games, horrendous for eight. Um, I don't think, as much as I really like the fact that he's Rangers through and through and you could so tell, I, I, I just don't think he was quite good enough for where Rangers are at the moment. Maybe they would have been four years ago. And, and Edmondson, I think, just... <sighs> I think the COVID thing must have damaged something somewhere, which is weird because it hasn't damaged the players, but they're both gone, ultimately. Um, Edmondson going to Ipswich and Jordan Jones going to Wigan, both in League One. Does that maybe sum up their departures where they ended up departing too? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, George Edmondson did have a... I thought at one point he might have a big future with us, but mm-hmm. for whatever reason, he seemed to fall down if it was the COVID thing, but he seemed to drop down the pecking order and it's not really been missed. And he's not one that I was devastated to lose. And Jordan Jones, he just he doesn't fit our system at all. We don't play that winger, that PC winger and things like that. So it doesn't fit our system. So I think getting him out of the door and I think we've got a fee for both of them, which... It's better getting a fee in for them than having them hung around or sending them in loan because I don't think they're ever going to be first-choice Rangers players. I think under Mark Warburton, Pedro, back in them days, they might well have been, but I think this Rangers team's quite a few follow steps up the ladder than that. So I think it's one of them. We took punts on them to see what we'd get and we lost nothing in the end. So it's, uh, we'll see many of them over the years that will just take a punt and some doing a free don't know now I'm do off a board and Jack Simpson might be the next two that don't work out yeah. but fingers crossed they do work out it's just worth taking these punts and you never know occasionally you get a gem for 50 grand so yeah <laughs> uh, like like who oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I anybody off the top of my head. a bell summer I heard and I, I don't think this is a rumour, but Glenn, uh, Glenn, sorry, um, George Edmondson is on 10 grand a week at Ipswich. Jesus. I don't think Edmondson was a bad player. I think um, I think he was solid enough. I think he had a couple of really good performances for us. I just think... Um, I think COVID the, the damaged COVID, him, didn't it? The COVID really... I think he would have been fourth choice had that not happened, because I think we signed uh, Jack Simpson... Uh, obviously, in January transfer window, and that was around that time when that happened. So I, I think, yeah, I think he would have been fourth choice um, had that not happened. Um, I think he was solid enough. Um, he was obviously a huge guy, um, and he obviously got he, he he scored against Bayer Leverkusen, so he's got that feather in his cap as well, doesn't he? So, um, so I think he wasn't a bad player, but I think the COVID situation seriously damaged his his chances with us. What, what not just what he did damage him. The thing is, we, we don't know the insides of Rangers Football Club and we don't know how players have reacted. We knew how Patterson reacted because he made a video about it. We don't know how Edmondson or, or Jones reacted yeah. um, to that and, and maybe it was reactive in the way that Gerard didn't appreciate that. And But I, I even think COVID, the situation itself, think- if you think he'd scored against Leverkusen and then you think, right, Edmondson's an, an important member of that squad. He's shown he can handle you know bigger games in Europe or he's played and that give him experience he can go on but then the football stopped and then by the time he came back he the world was a different place and he just he made that mistake I think didn't he so he does yeah. interestingly look though I know you used to obviously get in the fridge but have you ever seen West Brom when they had a um they had their mascot that was the Garmin Satnav or it might be Middlesbrough 
he looks very similar to the Garmin Satnav in the kind of square-shaped body. Um, yeah. If you are listening, pause the show, uh, subscribe before you do, and then go and look at the Garmin Satnav, man. I think it's Middlesbrough Satnav and see the resemblance to George Edmondson. Um, I'm going to go... Come- Sorry, he was also one of the top league goal scorers against us last season. Yeah. Yeah. Aye. What, the Satnav? Yeah. Yeah. Got, he managed to get one against us, which was more than some teams did. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just went to a really like strong laugh there. Sorry. Uh, I've had a pint on one. Uh, yeah, that's it. Um, Craig, I want to come to you for the last one. Um, serious faces now. Said that Ted um, has disappeared and made his debut for um, Ruta Firth, I think it's pronounced, um, in in Germany. I was really surprised by this. Um, he had a good preseason. I know he hasn't really, unless your mother well, he hasn't really done that well. <laughs> if your mother well, he's messy. Um, but I was quite surprised it went again. We talked before about Sakala offering something different. I think Itten offers something different. And yes, he's not, I don't think he's a first team Rangers player, but he's definitely a decent option off the bench. Were you quite surprised by, by Itten's loan departure? I was surprised initially when I saw the, the announcement from the club. Um, but the more you actually think about it and the more you think about um, him being, being a young player, uh, looking to get that opportunity and play regular football, I think Gerard very much. He got the opinion that he saw him as an off-the-bench player and that was kind of where his, his position was in the squad. I think there were some games last year where um, Morelos was out and Ruth was out and you thought, OK, this is Itton's chance and then all of a sudden Jermaine Defoe would be starting mm. um, and Itton would be on the bench still. So I think that that was that's kind of where Gerard saw his impact coming from. So 70 minutes um, in, bring it on if we need something a bit different. And that's where his impact can come from, um, which I think is a bit of a shame because I think he, I think there is a good player in there. I just don't think he was quite consistent enough for what for what we need. Um, but he, he was holding, he held the ball up well. Um, he always put in effort. Um, and uh, yeah, like I guess like you said, I suppose if if you were anyone but Motherwell, then I guess he wasn't really having the impact that uh, that you would hope he's had. But he, he was definitely prolific against them. So, I know he's old, I know he's getting on, but and I know he hasn't played much, but is there an element that maybe Gerard's thinking, well, worst case scenario, I get a we get a strike a crisis, which can happen, you know, can happen. Um there's still Jermaine Defoe there. Who you can still rely on Jermaine Defoe, can't you? Yeah. I think I think one of the things as well though is if you're Cedric Kitten and you look at um Sakawa coming in, um, for example, you're probably fourth, if not fifth, in the queue um for for that that central um, forward position, so I think you're looking at your chances there, and you're thinking, right, I need I need to try and go away somewhere. Um, I think it's interesting that it appears that both for Itton and Katic that there is a um, an option to buy uh, with with the loans um, at the end of the year. I, I found that a wee bit surprising, especially with Katic. To be fair, mm-hmm. um, I found that that surprising. Um, so I think. If we get, I think they, I heard a rumour that the value was three million pounds for them, um, for each of them, um, was the the option to buy. So if that happens, Rangers don't really lose out on anything um, from a transfer fee perspective. So I guess that might be seen as as uh, good business sense from that, from that perspective. But I think if they if they both go away and light it up and and their own deals, and then we we've got the option to recall them in January. So I think the options there. Um, I'd be, I would be gutted if Katic left in that fashion. To be honest, um, I hope that he, he does, he goes there and go, and, and plays well. Um, but I would be disappointed to see him leave in, in that way. Apparently, you haven't had a good window unless you sell your best players for. <laughs> I think that well, that's an interesting point, and I guess Graham might <laughs> might be coming on to that um, in a little bit. <laughs> I'd probably take a different, a slightly different view to yeah, most fans. Uh, I think, um, Dave, you've obviously made your your view clear um, throughout this is Ibrox uh, channels. And... Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, it's the reporting of it that gets me more than anything. You know, yeah. I think, like from a financial point of view, at some point we are going to have to 
but at the same token, you know, you retain a title-winning squad, and suddenly that's been portrayed as a negative is a strange one. Yeah, I, mean, I think obviously people's first reaction is, well, how are Rangers filling or plugging that gap in the finances? That's the first thing that anyone comes to. And to be honest, it gives me. I've asked about for the last ten years, for yeah. it. <laughs> but I, I mean, it, the the board or um, yeah. those contributing uh, money must have committed to to plugging that hole. I would I would hate to think that, and I think it's, it might partially be this that it is a gamble on winning winning the league this year and getting that Champions League bounty at the end of it. Um, I'd like to think that we are much more financially sensible than that, considering what's happened previously. Um, yeah. But um, I think partially it is a bit of a gamble on that front. But I also think that it was a much quieter window. I don't think there was as much money um, flying about um, in that term. Yes, the big transfers went through Messi going to PSG and Ronaldo going to Man United and uh, Griezmann going to back to Atletico Madrid and that kind of thing. There was the big transfers were, were all Such going a through. bizarre transfer. Yeah. The big transfers were going through, but those the medium transfers that the that the the money then flows down down the way in the football penalty, they weren't really happening at all. And I think that might partially be be the reason. Um, we've seen the, the other half of the city get a bit potentially lucky with with the, the with the, the amount of money that they were able to get for, for their players in the market. But yeah. But they, 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 fair, fair, fair play to them. They are good at selling their players. You know, I don't yeah. think we can deny that. Um, but I, th- I think that I, th- I agree with you, though, Dave. The reaction to Rangers being their best players is just a bit bizarre. And the thing thing is as well, like Newcastle would definitely interested in going Kamara. I, I mean, uh-huh. Mike Ashley is a different beast, as I'm sure we know. Um, so I don't know if he wanted to spend uh, more than twenty five pence on him, but. Um, there was definite interest there, so it, it potentially it's been it's been fended off. And and for me, it, maybe it's a very much a fan's perspective. But um, if you keep me better players, new rivals aren't, and I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Um, Actually, no, saw no one issues. as well about um, a rebo today. Apparently, his national team managers come out and said that he was late reporting because there was interest from a Premier League club. So you know, I don't know how firm any of this interest is, but they're certainly sniffing about. Um, that brings yeah. me wonderfully on the next part of the show. That was perfect, actually. Well done. Not scripted, by the way, guys. Not scripted. Never scripted these shows, as you can probably tell. Um, we did say we were going to look at players that would impress most. We can go through a list of four or five or whatever. Everyone's going to say Balogun now, aren't they? Um, no. no. <laughs> um, but pick one player and give a reason why. I'll begin. Um, for me, Joe Rebo is the one that's impressed the most. Um, I know there's call-outs for other people. I think Morales has had a decent start of the season, take out the three chances he missed against Alashkart. Um, but I, I think Aribo's just kind of turned up, even when the team's been poor. I think Aribo's been decent. And there's been a few times at the start of the season, as we know, where Rangers haven't turned up. Um, I think Aribo's looking a better player than he was last year. And I think he was an improvement last year as well. Um, I'm a big Joe Aribo fan. So for me, Joe Rebo will be will be my choice. But but Sugar, I haven't heard from you for a while. I'm going to throw this one at you. I'm going to give you the choice to to choose your uh, your player so far that's impressed you the most. Uh, maybe not for footballing reasons wholly, but Morelos for me, just the smile on his face and his attitude since he came back. He seems to get it now. He seems to. It's almost I heard there was rumor today that he was talking about leaving. And want to move to a bigger league, but since he came back, he just seems to be well, kind of smile on his face at times. But he wants to get in there, he wants to be involved. He absolutely barred Celtic at the weekend, and he he just didn't score. But he absolutely, I think he hates them more than we do. So, (laughs) there is some hate in him. I think the stones, just the stones, don't hate Celtic. Careful, you're allowed to say these things anymore. Well, he, does. <laughs> he, he hates them though, doesn't he? He like you can see it in his like Aye. the way that he grabs hold of Elander when he scores. Yeah. He's kind of like never let me go, Philip. Can I um can I just jump in as well quickly? That rumor, I actually read the article, and despite the headline suggesting you know he's pretty gutted that he didn't get a move to a bigger league, he actually started the interview saying he was happy and he was wanting to work with the team and what a great manager he had. 
how good his relationship was with him and how it was growing every day. And I mean, it was as the interview went on, he said, yeah, you know, I still want to move to a bigger league. We've all known that for years. Um, you know, I know they slapped a headline on it. Basically sounded like we'd kind of locked him in the basement against his will, but... We did, I heard that rumour. Ah, did you? All right, yeah. okay. Oops. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, another one I think that was ever so slightly... I think... I think, I think that when he does go, and, he, and football's a short career, and yeah. unfortunately we've seen the best Rangers players that have ever existed in my lifetime anyway, have left and, and gone elsewhere. And you remember them very fondly. Brown Lager up in at Chelsea, obviously. Um, he wanted to test himself in, in the Premier League, which at the time was grown and undoubtedly has more money in, in, in his bigger league. And I know there might be people that disagree, but I, I don't think you can really. Um, I mean, how the, many players sort of are one, one player, one club players these days? You know, it's, really? It's not 30 years ago. No, it just Even, doesn't exist. Like in money, and it's a money and it's business and it's like, yeah. It. It's, it's like a boxer fighting one fight, which just doesn't really happen. It's, and, and I think ultimately when Morales goes, there's so many good memories that I have of him. I hope he continues to make them for the next couple of years at least, but um, I'll put my cards on the table here. That he's far and wide my favourite player that has potentially ever existed. I love him to that extent. Yeah. Just, no, I mean, when he does go... Sorry, sure. He's just the low sipper in my eyes. That's yeah, I mean, yeah, marginally behind, but yeah, he's the first Rangers player that I've built love for as an adult, so yeah. actual genuine man love for. So just yeah. this celebration again, it was a celebration against Motherwell which cemented him in my heart. I was just like, oh, I know he got sent off, but like <laughs> just him doing that was just like, oh, you just love it. You yeah. just you just get football. You just understand. Know, it, was, football. Uh, it was Barisic to young boys for me. He walked up to the corner like <laughs> Yeah. There's like a that. there's a question that we'll come on to, but before I do, um Craig, I'm gonna come on to you. Who's who's gonna say that you were quite impressed by so far this season or most impressed by? Um I think the one that I've been most impressed by, and he, he continues, I think he probably flies under the radar a wee bit when people when people discuss who their, their best performers are, but Stephen Davis continues to be the best the best player in our team, I think, at this moment in time. I think he he just runs the show every single game. Sometimes he does it quietly, sometimes he pops up with important goals it's in stoppage time. Um he just I think he just he controls games and at, at his age he expected to expect his performances to perhaps dip a little bit. He's played the vast majority of games last season. Um, I, th- I don't think he's shown any signs of slowing down um, and I think we are a much, much better team with him there than without him. I think he's he's part of the link that, that helps keep the tempo of the team high. I think when he's not there and Kamara's not there, I think we struggle to keep that tempo going and that's when you get a Dundee United style game um, where we just pass it side to side, we get to the 18-yard box and it's like, what do we do now? Um, kind of performance so I think Stephen Davis continues to impress and it, I think partially it's under the radar um, so uh, Rolls Royce cliche isn't it yeah absolutely just expect expect that I'm almost don't we now Craig to be fair I mean Davis has never been the fastest so you don't really worry about his legs going that much he's not slow but he's never been like a speedster so like he just seems to be getting better year on year with his control of the game he does boss almost every game that we play um, in Europe in the cops like and, and you kind of go oh should we rest him this week as soon as you rest him you do so go oh, I can see Davis is missing like right. and I think he's got a good few years in him yeah and he just does he's, he's one of those players that every club needs and you're right in what you're saying it almost flies under the radar I said a rebo so I went for the kind of sexy football man at the front that does all the different moves do you know what I mean right. but Davis is like the not unpopular obviously he's hugely popular but he's the he just does the bread and butter, but the bread and butter is the most important thing of that entire cog in the team. So I'm changing my opinion. No it's the foundation. No. Had enough of a rebo now. It's Stephen Davis changing my <laughs> um, Yeah, I think I think at the weekend as well we saw we saw his impact. I think um the first half we were very much getting our shape, um try and work out Celtic uh, from from that perspective, as we don't really know how good or how bad they're going to be. So it was very much a European type performance and the first half. 
work them out, second half, go out there, take control and uh, and and really grab the grab the game by the scruff of the neck. And Davis at the start of the second half, Davis controlled that. Davis um took command uh, in all situations. He was calm under pressure, he was winning the 50-50s, um, and he, he just he just took absolute control of that game from the, from the first whistle in that second half, and it really, really showed. Did you see that on uh, Twitter? Someone was accusing him of juicing because he was uh, charging a boot in extra time. <laughs> I, f- I actually forgot about his running yeah. extra time. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you, you, you yeah, do yeah, see someone that. actually popped up. Oh, they must be juicing again. That's... <laughs> You see some mental rumors on Twitter. Ah, yeah. Twitter is a wonderful. It's good for a laugh. The wonderful, the wonderful cesspit. It's like it's basically Twitter is what you used to write on the toilet wall when you were a kid, isn't it? But now you just yes. do it on Twitter instead. And the school bogs. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's now the equivalent of drawing a willy on the school bogs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not that I ever did that. Um, Dave, obviously, you might agree with uh, now me and Craig. Um, but who's who's the player that stood out for you most thus far? Um. The standout for me has actually been Bassi. Um, yeah. Stephen Davis, yeah, quality player. But, you know, I don't. he hasn't stood out so much for me just because he's done it for so long. Um, you know, it's consistently like that. Bassi, just the improvement. Um, you know, he's getting about. Guy's obviously a big unit. But he seems to have added delivery to his game. I know last season the biggest criticism of him was, you know, he can't ping a ball in like Barisic and yet some of his efforts so far this season, different player. So just just for purely the amount that he's come on in the space of a year, I would say Bassi. I think when you look at Bassi as well, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I didn't want Barisic to go. But the idea that he could go, considering how good he was last season, Barisic created the second highest amount of chances in the Scottish Premiership last season. Yeah. Um, it's a left back, and I know yeah. he's a good left back, and I know we were invincible last season, but he's a bloody good left back. Bye. But the fact that he was going to go, there was a lot of people like, oh, I'd rather not, I'd rather he didn't go to Roma. But people on the flip side were saying, well, Bassi looks the better player for me at the minute. And I think that shows the the impression he's made thus far. And I know he got one of the match against Dunfermline, but he was actually more impressive in pre-season and was impressive in the uh-huh. the game against Livingston. I think he's, he's played now better performances. He's played. Yeah, he's he's yeah, and it's not a case he's... of like not letting anyone down. You know, when they're like a backup left back or right back comes in, you go, he hasn't let anyone down. He locks a standout. No, no, he looks up so well. He looks good. It's powerful. Like I would not oh, want Calvin Bassey running at me if I was a right back at all. I wouldn't want Calvin Bassey running at me when I was in my car, let alone when I was stood <laughs> there. Jesus, guy's a tank. He's a he's a big boy. He's a big Aye. boy. Aye. Um, the big one, and I don't want to have a negative because um, you can't change what's happened. And um, very philosophical there, um, but you can't. Uh, the Champions League hasn't happened this season. It was horrendous against Malmo in leg one and leg two and we certainly didn't deserve it but um but David I'll stick with you on this one um when we're assessing the first two months of the season which is early doors how much does the Champions League knockout dampen what effectively without that would have probably been well it wasn't a good start season I suppose but how much does the Champions League affect how you view the opening couple of months yeah I think it's probably the biggest one to be honest um, you know, had a couple of reasons. One, all right, we had the Dundee United game, but most people would sort of put that off as a blip if we were in the Champions League. Everything else is actually gushy, you know. I know Rangers are in crisis, but actually, you know, we've lost one league game. We're in the quarters of the Cup. We're in the group stages of the Europa. So if we'd qualified for the Champions League instead, I think that would you'd be sitting here saying it's a good start to the season the other sort of point I would make about it is I think it had a lot of influence on our transfer business now I I think our squad is absolutely stronger than what we went in with but I'm not convinced we've added major quality to the starting 11 that's not a bad thing because you know we were well ahead of everyone anyway Um, but I would have liked to see us push on, and I think if we'd qualified, we'd have probably done that. Whereas without qualifying, you know, I 
like Craig was saying, it's a gamble to an extent, isn't it? And without that qualification and the money that it brings, I think that was maybe a gamble too far, which is why we were quite restrained in what we did. So I think, you know, on the pitch, it's obviously big impact, especially the Dundee game sandwiched in there. Um, but off the pitch as well, I think it's had an impact, which is a shame because, you know, if you took that away between last season, start of this season, what would it have been? been and were, in. You only have to really look up the road and, and maybe it's someone like, I'm not saying Liverpool are a bad team, but it was so, well, they went so far ahead of City, but they look like they could have won the league title for a few years to come. They haven't really yeah. added much to it. Celtic was so far ahead of Rangers four yeah. years ago. Let's not kid ourselves on. It was 4-0, 5-0 a couple of times when we played them and couldn't get near them. Um, yep. They didn't improve. They stagnated. They got by with players that improved the squad. So I, I think if we got the Champions League, you might have seen a better striker, backup striker come in a better, maybe midfielder, maybe think, a decent centre-back. I think we're probably quite lucky in that sense, though, because we've got another stab at it, but this time the coefficient is yeah. a lot better than what it was when they were doing it. So, you know, we're pretty much guaranteed, I think. I think there's maybe one scenario where we could end up not going straight in if certain team from a certain country wins or something, but... Other than that, you know, we're pretty much whoever wins the league's guaranteed groups. And, I mean, that's a game-changer for any Scottish team. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, we used to laugh at Celtic, you know, they'd go in, they'd get papped 7-0, and we'd all sit here and chuckle about it. But, you know, they were still making the money out of it at the end of the day. And whilst it isn't nice seeing your team get gabbed, you know, Scottish football just doesn't have the wherewithal to support itself without that extra kind of money not at the level we want to compete at. It's also just easier to open that suitcase when you're trying to bring a sign in and go, do you want to play against yeah. Juventus? Do you want to play against Real Madrid? Do you want to play against yeah. do you want to Man play City, against... Chelsea, whoever it may yeah. be? It's, it's better than well, going... Yeah. yeah, it's just better than saying, do you want to play against Alash Curtis now, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, just looks a bit better. Um, and it's it's expectations of where you want Rangers to be, it's where they've been. Um, it's kind of, for a lot of people's life, was what they were used to. So yep. we, we want to back it. We feel like yeah. we can do it, be it two bad 90-minute games we potentially would have been. But here's what it is. Not much we can I, do about it, I guess. That's it. Um, it's, it's a sore one, but, you know. You take it on the chin, I guess, don't you? It's yeah. part of being a football fan at the end. Um, Chuck, the, the next thing I want to come on to, is you'll be pleased to know, is the, uh, the positive out of this season so far. I was very nervous Many of us in the group chat kind of went, oh, God, everyone's got COVID. Oh, God, Balogun's at right back. Dave, of course, was not. Dave was very confident. Uh, I think <laughs> it was, was nerve-wracking seeing how many players were out because you knew what you know what it's like when you've basically got to change an entire team. But the fact of the matter is, if you know, if co- as a way you, you get COVID crises, it was potentially one of the best ones you could have because we turned out a pretty decent performance. Um, I think... There's been a lot of talk about how great Celtic have been and all these big players that they've brought in and stuff like that. And hey, it's a long old season. But at this moment in time, when we're speaking, the golf is still pretty big, isn't it, Shug? And, and that's the positive from this season. That even when we're not firing all cylinders, we're still better than Celtic, who are undoubtedly our near, nearest challenges this season. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm the cat that got the cream because in the preview show, I did the win. So I'll. Uh, I'm going with that. Although I did say three two, I thought it showed a little bit not enough faith in our defence to switch it on. But yeah, no, I think we're still we're still the better team. I think I can remember when we were going through that phase where we just seemed to lose to Celtic every single time we're playing them. I think they are probably getting that feeling now. And it's the delusion as well for so we're better now. We're going to win this time. <laughs> nope. But, we are definitely I mean retaining all our players and I would argue the squad is better now than it was 12 months ago I don't know about Silic I don't watch any of them but from 90 minutes against Rangers but from what I've read and stuff like that that's where they're going to be playing football and stuff like that they've signed all these players but they don't know they could be world beaters or they could be absolute men's they could be the next Ajetis and Barkasas, for all they know. So, 
Whereas we are confident, we know what we've got. And I think we've maybe been caught out a bit by the Euros and the Copa America and players coming back at different times, trying to get everybody back up to speed the same way. And uh, I like some people's theory on Barisic was that he had a disappointing summer at the Euros with Croatia. So he didn't get to play what nearly what he'd expect to play. And then he was poor when he came back for us. And then he did... He played well against Silic and yeah. set up the goal and everything. So that whole emotion he was feeling after the game was maybe like him realising, yeah, no, I can do it again. So I'm hoping that when the players come back after this nonsense and international break, three games, might as well be another Euros. He sit through it this length. He, but get the players back from that and I'm confident we can go on a run. I think this is the this is the longest period of time between us playing them. So we've got three, four months where we can really set markers down. And if we can win, I know it's, we've got a tough game when we come back at St Johnston. But if we can go on our run and win, like, win and run like last season and really put pressure on them and really see where they're at. So we know we can do it. We know we can win these games. And we know that squad we've got. So... I would say I'm pretty happy with how things are going and how things are looking. You're not totally discounted completely. Um, I know sometimes these teams fall off, but um, I'll find this one at you, Craig, actually. Could Hearts and, and Hips challenge this season? Um, I think they will be closer to us than Aberdeen will be. Mm. Is that a diplomatic answer? I think... Um, I think Hearts and Hibs, Hibs have again kept the vast majority, if not all, of their best players, which is impressive. Um, again, I think they've obviously kept Nisbet, um, Martin Boyle still there, Josh Doig still there as well. Um, so I think they'll be um, improving and building upon last season. Um, I think Hearts are potentially better than I thought they would be. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously coming up from the Championship, um, it's, it's quite unpredictable as to how how those players who succeeded in the championship then adapt to, to the, the sort of premiership level. Um, but obviously they've had a had a great start um to the season there. Um, I think the, the problem comes for them when um what tends to happen is that um Hearts will play Hibs, Aberdeen, St Johnston, and that's where they will start dropping points. And that's where the consistency for teams that are that are competing for that third place really, really falls down compared to, to ourselves and Celtic. Um, so I think um, I think there'll be tough games when we come up and play against them. I think especially Tynecastle Easter Road, obviously tra- traditionally hard places to go. I don't think that's going to change this season. Um, so Tynecastle. I think I think I don't like think I don't like us going to Tynecastle either. I mean, I, I like just like the atmosphere of the place. I feel it also feels like a bigger game at Tynecastle. To be honest, I suppose that's what football about. I hate it if we get beat. But I think um, in terms of someone outside of, of Celtic being a challenge, putting up a serious challenge to us. I think I don't think that consistency will be there from the other teams that will allow them to do that. I think they have good players. I think they're um they'll have their, their moments where they they get um points off of us potentially. Um but I think consistency is what is what you need at the end of the day and, and I think that's where they, they'll fall down a little bit. Squad depth as well, isn't it? And as much as we talk about Celtic and Rangers and the disparity we feel between the squads, Celtic still have a stronger squad than probably Hearts and Hibs in terms of like how many people are in it and Rangers definitely do. And that's kind of sometimes in a long season where you can fall down as well, isn't it, I guess? Especially but, um, COVID now as well. Oh, God. It's still here, isn't it? Jesus. You could end up um, with Balogun at right back. Well. <laughs> right. Be all right with that, right? We were all fine uh, with that. Well, I wasn't until the old firm, but yeah. Yeah, that's just play be all right. Yeah. Team, team Lee and Balogun at right back. Um, before we go, uh, kind of like a two good, two bad we'll have, but we'll just have one good, one bad. <laughs> so one good, one bad, if you prefer. Um, really short answer. I'll, I'll come to you first, Shug, and I'll go to Dave, and I'll, I'll get Craig to give me the, the final word. Hugh, what's your, your one bad from the, t- from the season so far? Um, Malmo, second leg, Malmo, second half of the second leg. That was the, the killer, definitely. Well, one nil up and playing 10 men. Should have seen out. The definition of pish, you'll find that 
under it. Um, what's your one good? Sitting tough against them at the weekend. <laughs> Putting them in their place, reminding them who the champions are. It's just you saying them every time. It's, it's creasing me up inside. I'm trying not to laugh and hold myself. But it's like every time you mention them, you've said the word them. It's quite funny. Um, as it should be. Yes, that's it. this is the Rangers podcast. It's as it should be. Dave, what's your, your one bad from this season? Yeah. I mean, mine's nice and short, what Shug said. <laughs> yeah. Can't really get away from it, can you? <laughs> you know, they are polar apart, the worst and best. So, yeah, exactly as Shug said. And the, the best, maybe a similar answer, but. Yeah, yeah, no, for both. It's, yeah. You can't be. I don't think there's anything else that's come close. You know, the Alishkirt game was really nervy at the end of mm. the second leg. Just, you know, we should have put it to bed and we didn't. Um, all right, we beat, was it Dunfermline quite convincingly, but, you know, that's expected. The old firm, we were going to get beat, you know, Hanjbol, Kyogo, all, all that. Um, we were done, and then Balogun was at right back, and everyone was laughing. And as Shug said, it was just basically a slap down. And nah, actually, we're still better than you. There you go. They're not your friends, Ange. They're your friends. Uh, we're not your friends. I was really, really accurate as well. Actually, that was some impression. I'm it's impressed. Just, it's my favorite piece of TV <laughs> ever. Um, <laughs> Just a bit afterwards, and I said, if you could hurry up and ask actual questions, uh, we, don't, <laughs> we, don't, we don't have that long. Um, yeah. I was just like, to, to whoever that girl was, kudos. Um, Craig, probably similar answers here, mate, but one good, one bad. Yeah, I think bad, just to, for a wee bit of difference, I think that second leg in Alishkirt, um was something was a sight for sore eyes, I think would be a generous way to, to describe it. Um, I think that really gave a lot of people the fear going into going mm-hmm. into um last um going into the old firm game um on Sunday. I think that it's hard it's hard to tell through the TV how hot it is and it's hard to tell through the TV. Well, it's impossible to tell what instructions the team have been given if they have been given instructions to try and conserve a bit of energy. Um, but teams like that, especially when they're down to 10 men, we should be absolutely destroying them and we did not look like we were going to absolutely destroy them, which which gave me a wee bit of the fear. We got there in the end, which is the most important thing, and it will be completely discounted um, and we're on to the group stage. But going into last week, that performance really, really gave me the fear. And then we saw the team line up for Sunday as well, which also gave me the fear. So, um, so, <laughs> yeah. so there, was a lot, there was a lot of um, self-preservation, I think, going on in my head um, prior to the Old Firm game last Sunday. But I think that Irish Kirk game was was definitely not one that I'll, that I'll want to watch again. Um, in terms of one good, um, it's hard to look past <laughs> last week. Um, I think actually the I'll, I'll go a bit from the atmosphere from Sunday um, was inside the stadium was was like I've not I really felt an atmosphere like that inside the stadium. I think potentially the last time. That I felt that was when Morris Edu scored in the last minute against them, and that was potentially the last uh, the last time there was an atmosphere. Should like start that. a trend now, but yeah. um, <laughs> but I think the I think just at no point did did the fans go on on the back of the team, and I think that's yeah. we I think we're we're obviously guilty of doing that um, far quicker than most other fans would get in the back of their team. I think I've heard like, I think I've heard people after seven minutes. Jumping on the back of the team at Ibrox at times, so um, so I think the fact that everyone got behind the team and everyone was united to try and push the team towards that that goal of, of winning the game on Sunday, um, I think that was a real positive and hopefully one that that continues going forward. My one good, one bad. I've saved. It's going to be like Jerry Springer's final word. Um, the bad was that the first time, obviously, I got back to Ibrox, which was. Brighton and um, there was only about 12 to 16,000 in there and it felt nice but kind of weird my good is that um, fans are back in stadiums at full capacity and 
no matter what the Malmo game brought, no matter what the Celtic game brought, both completely different emotions in negative and positive ways. The best part was I got to share it with fellow fans and talk about it afterwards and hug people and celebrate with people and I was going to say kiss people. That didn't happen. Um, well, at least that, that's what I tell people. No, it didn't. Um, but just having fans back in the stadium and on a serious note, just like football without the fans did feel just wrong. And, and if we all remember the emotion of when the title was won and everyone sort of ran and you know, that corner part of Ibrox and it's a nice memory, but it, it, it took an awful lot away. And, and there's every football fan has a moment last season where they'll be like, oh God, I'm so pleased that happened. And I got back in. At the end of the day, across the globe, we're all just football fans that enjoy watching 11 men kick a ball about a pitch and love every single one of them. And not being there, as silly as it may sound, and some people might not get it, it does hurt, and it did hurt. And it was the most difficult part for me. Um, and I know people have much harder pandemics, but that was personally the, the hardest part for me. Maybe I'm, I'm lucky in that sense, but I'm just delighted that we can be back together, be sort of doing things together. We could do a podcast in person if we really wanted to. Um, my plus point is that we get to talk about games and atmospheres and crowds and celebrations and fans and um, just being back back in stadiums again. And I think that's quite a nice way to end it, I think. So, um, as always, it's become a thing. I've been Graham. We've been uh, This is Ibrox. Dave has been Dave. Shug has been Shug. And Craig has been Craig. Thanks very much for listening. Please do subscribe and send lots of money. Hey.